to be some redheaded Rachel things. always has funny stories. Don't say that because now they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the spot. It's all right. Uh, awesome. Well, welcome to another episode of the Sheepdogs Podcast. Sheepdogs. Here again, we got all the regulars myself, Johnny Drew, Michael Sullivan on the left, Father Jacob Willig on the right, and we have a special guest today. Rachel Willig, and if that name sounds familiar, it's because it is. <laughs> Rachel, welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah. So Ra- Rachel is Father Jacob's sister, but that's not all she is. Um, we're going to get into why Rachel's here today. We're so excited. But I thought maybe I'd ask Rachel, uh, do you have any stories of Father Jacob when he was a kid that we could maybe know about? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Father Jacob as a kid, well, um, I actually wasn't around when he was a very little kid because I'm about 10 years younger than him, so um, I don't know. I'll throw that that one right back at you, and maybe you have a a better story of when I was younger. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Rachel, as we'll find out, she's a chef, and she's very creative uh, and quite an entrepreneur. But anyways... I remember one time we had this priest over for dinner. He was from France. He was a missionary. And uh, Rachel, being so creative, you know, quiet, she's sitting there at the table. And it was after the meal time, and, you know, the priest was talking, our family was talking. And Rachel's such an artist. She was there, and she used the ketchup that was on her plate, and she, like, drew an entire mural with this ketchup and, like, a knife on her plate. <laughs> and just, like, so creative. But anyways... That's just one story I remember about you and food. So yeah, let's started it all. I guess let's started it all. That's Culinary arts, yeah. <laughs> literally arts. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Well, we're so excited. And before we get started, Father Jacob, could you lead us in a in a prayer? Yeah, sure. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm-hmm. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, Rachel being here. We thank you for. All those tuning in today, we pray that we continually just know the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, during this podcast and during our entire day today. May we just be filled and renewed in those gifts of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, piety, fortitude, and fear of the Lord. May your blessing uh, upon us and our words today. And we ask all this in Jesus' holy name through Mother Mary. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Okay, Rachel, so Father Jacob gave me a little bit of a bio for you. So I'm going to try to say these French words and names correctly. So correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, so you run a company. It's called The Family Chef LLC. Correct. Yes. (laughs) You got Uh, that one right. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Uh, Let's see. You have a lot of employees. Uh, You are sorry. You have one employee. Yes. Okay, one employee and a lot of clients. um, Bengals head coach might be one of them. Are we allowed to say that? Uh, yeah, might be one of them. Okay. There's, there's a high possibility, yes. Okay, might be one of them. Um, you worked for Jean Robert? Correct, okay. yeah. In Cincinnati? Awesome. Jean. 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 <laughs> nice. That was like my great-great-grandfather's name. Oh, wow. Fun fact. Um, but yeah, so you have a culinary arts degree, and 
yeah, you've wanted to travel and learn more about just cooking in the world. And so you found an internship in the French Alps at a ski slope as a chef. And a uh, five star resort, thank you. Yes, five star <laughs> resort. Sorry, I forgot to yeah, <laughs> wow, that's important. Not just a ski slope, <laughs> incredible. And you also lived on the Mediterranean Sea in Spain, yes. Yeah. Okay, and and was that also a five star restaurant? Uh, yeah, five star hotel resort with uh, a couple different restaurants in it. So we did um, a lot of like weddings, they had a lot of wedding receptions there, and um you know, a hotel bar and a fine dining restaurant and a breakfast, um, yeah, all-inclusive kind of thing, so. Wow, yeah. okay, and we're not even done yet. You you also <laughs> were in Florence, Italy. Uh, did you also work, was that a restaurant there? Yes, okay. yeah, wow. a uh, hotel restaurant and then um, another, like, fine dining restaurant as well. Awesome, so. and, and all that before coming back to the United States, starting your own business, the Family Chef LLC, and yeah so even just that i mean there's so much i'd love to unpack there like who does that in their 20s we were just, michael and i were talking who goes and travels the world and um yeah like first question i guess what made you say i'm gonna go out of the ordinary and just go on my own path yeah so my whole life uh well for half of my life, I um, decided that I wanted to do culinary arts and I love to travel and so I just decided what better way to learn how to cook um, all these different cuisines than to travel to the places that they started, you know. Um, I love Italian cuisine, obviously, um, French and Spanish and just wanted to get better understanding of that. So, um, yeah, I just kind of went for it and uh, after college um, I worked for a while in Cincinnati and saved up some money and it was something that I always talked about and I found a program online and I was like yeah I don't know I don't know just maybe it's like not legit and my sister was like no dude just just sign up and see what happens so I did and then they called me and set up a whole internship um, to go to France and train over there and uh, yeah it was definitely one of the most challenging times in my life um, but also the most rewarding the most exciting and uh, it was so much fun and such an adventure that um, once I did that then I was like kind of addicted you know I'd come home for like two years and work really hard at restaurants and then save up money and do it again so yeah wow. that's how it started was there a big difference between how people work in restaurants here in America versus how they work in France, Italy, or Spain? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, each country is different. In France, it's very like, you know, there's only one way to do everything. Um, which, like, for everyone that cooks, you know, you know you could do things differently. Um, but it's very, like by the book like this is how we do it in France everything has to be how the chef teaches you how to do it mm. um, the sanitation laws are like totally different in each country I think like United States um, is very very like clean you know and they're very worried about like temperatures and whatnot um, in France they're not as worried and it's like not a big deal if you like there's food left out or something and uh, in Spain as well but then like in other countries it's um, they're like so much more like cleanly or like they like take more 
care of things than like we would even like think about here in the United States. It's not a part of the daily routines um, in restaurants here in the United States. But also, um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's different. <laughs> yeah. So in France, yeah, if they if they just like leave cheese out on the counter, then all of a sudden yeah, they do it by accident. But then all of a sudden the next day they call it dry aged or something, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's yeah. also about, I remember, was, I think there's a story you had about uh, France and Italy, the two kinds of cuisine, and one using butter. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one day I was working in France, and um, one of the chefs comes up to me, and he was talking to me, and he goes, So, Rachel, do you know why um, French cuisine is better than Italian cuisine? I was like, uh, no. Tell me, like, what is it? He was like, well, the secret is like, we use butter in everything. And like Italians, they cook with that olive oil. Like, yeah, like the, we use like the best butter and that's what really gives the food its richness and whatnot. And uh, I was like, okay, well, like six years later, it's totally deja vu. I'm cooking in um, Italy. And one of the chefs is like, hey, do you know why the Italian cuisine is so much better than the French cuisine? I'm like, why? They're like, oh yeah, because we use um, olive oil in all of our, with all of our cooking instead of that butter that they use over in France. It's quite the, wow. yeah. At least they're consistent with each other's, you know. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> That's one right. way to put it. Exactly. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Wow. See, I'm Italian and French, so I don't know how I feel about that. Cause I guess we have butter and olive oil in a lot of our dishes, so you just get the best of both worlds. <laughs> there you go, yeah. 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 Did you have any Gordon Ramsay-esque bosses? Little, little, yes. little hot-headeds? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so it was kind of funny. Uh, the first, when I moved to France, which was my first internship, um, I went to meet the chef like as soon as I got to the restaurant. And I had been living in France for two weeks. I did two weeks of language classes. So then I went to the hotel resort to start working. And um, I didn't speak any French at all. I just did like the two-week crash course and uh, learned like nothing. I was just totally overwhelmed, totally um, nervous and scared and worried and like end up going to this hotel and I'm just freaking out. And uh, this driver had like picked me up from the bus station, which was just an adventure in itself, even getting there. And um, he brings me to the hotel and he goes and introduces me to the chef uh, during like a dinner rush. So it was really crazy in the kitchen and everything like pots and pans banging and people yelling in French and whatnot and the driver um, introduces me to the chef and he was like in French obviously and I didn't understand really anything he was saying except that he was like and she speaks no French at all and then they're like oh my gosh like what is this girl doing here why did she come to work for us you know which like I thought that was like everyone knew that and it was like cool you know with the internship <laughs> so um then the cooks there were like, oh, like, that's great. She speaks English. We could learn. We could practice our English. And uh, they were like, hey, what's up in English? They asked me. And the chef turns and he was like, no, no English in my kitchen. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, get me out of here. Like, how am I going to survive? But um, yeah, so that was like the start of it. And then like the whole, you know, I was there for uh, three months but the whole time was like we had to like really like sneak around and like sneak 
sneak speaking English, so it was like we could not say anything around him. He was paranoid that we would be talking about him behind his back and whatnot. So it was just like very, um, but yeah, definitely some temper tantrums in the yeah. <laughs> in the kitchen. That's awesome. So I've heard that that is kind of like of the industry. There's a lot of people in restaurants and cooking that tend to be a lot more. I don't know how you put it. You said Gordon Ramsay-esque, but also just, like, <laughs> demanding and, like, sometimes tough. Um, yeah, how did you navigate that whole environment, first in America and then abroad? Uh, I started at a country club. Um, was my first job uh, and my first restaurant job. So, yeah, I mean, just, like, one day at a time, and you kind of learn the ropes and um, definitely, like, a lot of the older cooks had like helped me along but just be like yeah like hey like just say like yes chef yes chef like don't let it get to you kind of a thing um just take it and like don't take it to heart but just say okay and uh go with it but yeah there was um yeah definitely like a lot of crazy people that I worked for but uh one of my friends told me like okay just like just don't take life so seriously like just pretend that like work is just a game and like the chef's gonna get mad the chef's gonna like yell at you in your face but like just say like okay and like just try and make the right moves in the game and then like then like you start winning because then like you your boss won't get as mad you know yeah. so um just keep it in perspective and like yeah you're fine everyone's gonna mess up he loves yeah. yelling at you like yelling at people you know like it's just yeah just keep your head up and keep moving through so yeah nice yeah i think that's yeah it's amazing too just to hear you talk about that because i know yeah of course you started out the country club right and then you got your degree and then you're working in fine dining all these different fine dining places downtown cincinnati where there's a lot of stress and yeah people take it very seriously obviously because it's their art and uh yeah what uh what they're producing um, but then, yeah, you kind of like challenging yourself too, because obviously sometimes I think uh, whether students or whoever, I know like I was in the business world for a while, sometimes when you graduate, you feel like there's only one way to make it to the top, right? And you feel like you just have to like put your head down, like power through. And I was talking with my brother the other day, we were talking about people we graduated with or working with. And you know, they're only like mid-20s and they're already thinking like, well, I guess, guess I just gotta work this job the rest of my life. You know, I'm working for a good company. And I don't enjoy my job, uh, but yeah, there's going to be a good retirement, so I just got to do it the next 40 years or whatever. I think that's, yeah, Rachel, maybe you could speak to that yet, yeah, because definitely, obviously, it was not easy to, to take these travels or to kind of get outside of like, there's not, there's more than just one way to do that. Uh, but I just wanted to ask that too, just to encourage students to realize like there are super ways to be creative or to be entrepreneurs, to start your own business or really just to, to plan for the long term, right? It's one thing to start making the most money in your job right away, you know, but really to say, how like do I wanna get my dream job in the next like 10 years away? Like what do I really need to learn? You know, can I learn a different language, learn different cuisine, or get all the experience I can? I think it's very powerful in our lives and students just need to, yeah, have that freedom to not be afraid to take that step. And I think that's great that you did that, of course. And yeah, I had so many crazy experiences. You probably weren't making a ton of money, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure you learned a lot. And obviously it's not easy either, right? Right, right. Yeah. So because you actually, remind me, so you actually 
you were already graduated and then you found these internships you could do. Yes, correct. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, one of my mentor chefs, um, when I like first was in culinary school, he uh, told me, you know, don't worry about making money or starting out to make money or whatever. Um, you really need to like just learn and the best way to learn is like you could either work at these restaurants that are like you know okay restaurants more like a little bit a step up from fast food and you can make a decent amount of money or you could take these jobs that are like super fine dining but you're not making any money at all but he told me um, if you want to be one of the best you have to train with the best so like if you're when you're starting out like try and every restaurant you work like you should be like feel like the least experienced like the the worst player on the team kind of thing because they'll bring you up um, but when you start making money and you're like the best then you still like learn somewhat but it's not like you're not learning from the people around you you're more teaching everyone and bringing them up so that's something that stuck with me um, and yeah definitely uh, you just have to put in the work at the beginning uh, for sure and uh, yeah in my travels like I was definitely losing a lot more money than I was making you know <laughs> they were just giving me enough to um, you know like buy shampoo and toothpaste at the end of the week but <laughs> I was uh, yeah yeah so most of the places that I stayed um, I was like living in the hotel with the other interns and then working there and so I had like some food place to eat and uh, or a place to place to live, um, which was like very small, little, <laughs> tiny, tiny room. But uh, yeah, it was all worth it in the end. So, wow. Yeah, how can you encourage people to? Uh, obviously, you're sharing about France, but it must be. I can't imagine anything more scary than being on a plane, moving to a country where you don't know the language. You know how? What was that like? Or how can you uh, encourage people to just not be afraid to? take those kind of yeah steps uh, for me actually you know the reason that my faith is super important to me um, after doing these types of things in my life where I just knew like I was completely out of control I literally yeah just like relied on God a hundred percent because I was just like wow like I, I have no idea what I'm doing I have no idea like where I'm going or who I'll meet or you know anything just completely out of control um, of the situation and uh, yeah it was just those times in my life that I relied on God so heavily and um, just said like yeah if God brings you to it he'll bring you through it and um, just really uh, relied on him and yeah obviously when you do that like amazing things happen and I've met you know some of the best um, friends that I've I have in life um, were from those travels and just like incredible the people that came in my life and helped me out um, somebody you know could tell I was like totally confused when I landed in the French airport and this girl like comes up and was just like oh I'll just I'll walk you to where you need to go and I speak English and I'm French and like here you know like all those doors um, start opening up and yeah it's really exciting and uh yeah so well so i kind of want to ask a little bit about your business the family chef 
LLC. I majored or I minored in entrepreneurship uh, before dropping it, actually. <laughs> but I took a bunch of entrepreneurship classes, and I mean, you would you would be an incredible guest speaker in one of our classes. But yeah, can you just talk about the model for that real quick, and like what made you even think of that model? Was it something that you tested before it kind of worked? And just, yeah, how did it become what it is now? Yeah, so how the business works is um, it's pretty straightforward. So we do a weekly meal prep for most of our clients. So I write the menu, um, have it okayed by the client. And we, of course, like go through, you know, what kind of foods they like to begin with. So it's pretty easy. Um, so come up with the menu send it to them, they okay it. Then once a week we go to the grocery store, then we bring all the groceries to their home and then prepare their meals at their home and leave it in the refrigerator and that's it. So um, it's pretty straightforward, pretty simple. And yeah, uh, it started out um, when I was in high school, I just decided that that was gonna be like, that was my life dream. Like I just wanted to be a personal chef. I just wanted to, um, be able to work for a family and have like a super low stress life and get to be creative and cook all the time. Um, but then when I started this company, uh, I, I realized that like more people um, didn't need like a full-time personal chef, but it would be easier to find people just to work for one day a week. So I started that and then actually a family hired me three days a week. So I do the meal prep once a week and then three days I'm with the same client but um, it started out like when I got back from France and it started out with like social media I just asked like does anyone need a personal chef basically I'm starting this business um, and it actually like I got a really great response so within like a month and a half I was working full-time which was awesome and like that was the goal that was the dream and I'm like okay I made it I'm comfortable like this is cool but uh, people continually kept reaching out to me and um, I started like a little social media like Instagram page um, and it just like yeah kept getting new followers and people reaching out so um, I loved doing that but I realized like I wasn't totally fulfilled like oh there's so much more I could be doing and uh, yeah, I had, people were asking if they could get on a waiting list and I was like, what? <laughs> I guess I can make one of those, but like, I don't think I'm gonna, you know, quit working for the people that I do work for. So um, I started a waiting list because they asked and, uh, and then yeah, um, with being able to work for a family three days a week, I'm not constantly cooking. I have some, a little bit of downtime. And so I thought like, oh, I should grow this business and, uh, yeah, that was like something that I was super excited about, and so I ended up bringing on one of my friends, and uh, she's she's uh, we went to culinary school together. So um, yeah, now she's full time and works for six families uh, five days a week, and she does it. So I do like the business side of things, and um, yeah, the invoicing and menus and office stuff, and then I cook uh, four days a week, and yeah, one day for the office work and. Yeah, so far so good, and we're um, training somebody new right now, so it's continuing to grow. Praise wow. the Lord, so yeah. That was awesome. And how, I guess, how many months or years have you had this company running? I started in um, August of 2019, so. Okay. Wow. 
yeah so it's just been a little bit yeah <laughs> and then my friend came on I think May of 2022 so 2021 2020 2020 that's it yes man uh and okay so going back to the travel aspect um i'm a very untraveled person and i know the willigs as a group you guys i talked (laughs) to father jacob and he's just been everywhere in the world i'm like hey oh hey father jacob have you uh you know have you ever been to uh, you know france before he's like oh yeah like seven times i went to (laughs) i went there yeah i went to ours i went to lords i went to you know he just names all the places uh and i've been to the united states and canada and i usually stick to the midwest too because i'm i don't the 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 coasts scare me as well Uh so um i was just wondering like how did you encounter like the way you know people live their faiths whether it be in spain or or France or Italy um, through like the relationships you might have built there how do people live out their face there that are like different than the United States or and like I don't know is there something that maybe um, we could admire from that or, or like take from kind of like the French or the Italian or the Spanish spirituality yeah absolutely I think um, in all those European countries what I noticed a lot was just um, their their ability to just you know be with the people and just spend like a lot more time with with people they're not always in a rush which um if for me when i moved there there was definitely some really frustrating parts about that but um just like when they encounter people whether it's at the grocery store like you could be waiting in line and then the clerk would just like stop and start having a conversation with somebody (laughs) or whatever make me so mad yeah (laughs) so it's not all the time but um yeah definitely uh they're just more like they spend more time together and um, it's more of like, yeah, they just take time for people more so than here where it's like really fast and rush, rush. Um, And yeah, they also have um, a big devotion to Our Lady, I feel like, which is more so than here. So um, yeah. That sounds awesome. That's really cool. Well, and so Father Jacob, might have told me that you possibly lived with some Catholics when you were in Florence. Um, could you talk about just maybe that and growing in your faith? I'm sure you were working a lot too, but just the importance of living with other Catholics after college or just having a community post-college? Yeah, so um, before when I had traveled, I had, you know, def- I didn't have any um, practicing Catholic friends uh, that I met along the way, so um, that was definitely a challenge, but uh, when I moved to France, um, my dad connected with this priest like the day before I left who knew another priest in Florence, Italy, and he connected me with like this priest that was in charge of like English speaking um, young adult Catholic ministry in Florence, Italy. Like, what are the chances? It was so, so crazy. And um, Italy was a trip that like I didn't know anyone the other two trips I had like kind of traveled with one other girl both times so this was like super um nerve-wracking that I didn't know anyone in the country but then yeah I got um in contact with this priest and immediately when I moved to Italy I had to like find a new place to live because I was living with um a host mom but it was super expensive so he just you know, put me right into the WhatsApp message and was like, hey, there's this awesome Catholic girl that just moved in town, like, he's looking for a roommate, and like, he didn't even know me or anything, but, um, 
<laughs> yeah, there was three girls that were like, oh yeah, we, we need a new roommate, so we need another person. <laughs> the rent's getting expensive, so. Um, so yeah, I ended up meeting these girls like at this uh, Catholic English mass and um, became roommates with them. And yeah, it just, it was a totally different experience of um, my last, than my last trips. And it was awesome because they were very like devoutly Catholic and you know, Tuesdays we would go to like the um, evening Catholic English mass and some of them were involved with um, a Bible study that I started going to with other English speakers and uh, totally changed the whole thing. Um, and, you know, they kept me accountable just like in going to Mass and in um, we would go to Sunday Mass together a lot, which was really awesome. And yeah, just a beautiful experience to build community and friendship and stuff. So, yeah. Sweet. So that, that kind of leads into yeah, we have people that, some people may be even discerning priesthood religious life here at the Newman Center, hopefully, but we also have people that are going to be working in the world, and so my question is leading into how can we live our faith in the world. I heard that you kind of are trying to start a perpetual adoration chapel at your parish, and you're already running your own business. Can you talk about what went into that? What inspired that? Did you just happen to have extra time on your hands that you're like, let me do this? Or, yeah, what did you think for that? Um, so I really wanted to get involved with some kind of ministry or something. Uh, but, like, nothing seemed to work with my schedule because I'm like, I, I have to be, like, always working, I feel like, with this entrepreneur um, business. So uh, I started, you know, like, praying about it a lot. And um, adoration has been a huge thing in my life throughout the years and I could not find like at this time in my life I couldn't find adoration that would work in my like schedule <laughs> so I was like we need more adoration um <clears throat> yeah it was something that I was praying about and I really felt called to do um so luckily it's a really awesome thing that I could like volunteer and help and uh bring others to Christ I feel like by making this possible but it's something that I could also do it's like an administrative kind of work where it's like I could do it from my phone or I could do it you know any time of the day kind of a thing where it's just more of like filling up the schedule or calling people and asking inviting people to sign up and um, take an hour so that's yeah that's been really awesome but also um, yeah for myself like I I was really missing adoration in my life and uh, I really was trying to find a place that would have it and somewhere where I could go all the time or just like definitely like on a weekly basis, like on a scheduled time. Um, and there was nothing available. So I thought, okay, we need to, <laughs> we need to make this happen. So, um, yeah. Wow. And could you talk about real quick, like what are some of the fruits of that? Maybe your own, you have more time to spend in adoration, but also like your parish. Is it, uh, yeah, what's happening there? Father Jacob, I know you grew up in that parish too, so feel free to chime in. Right, right. Yeah, I know uh, just continually building it up, having the time, I'm sure, for people to pray. Like, I know obviously my parents are involved. Uh, and just the fact of, like, it is a job. It's not easy to do the personal ask, right? But I know even my dad mentioning to some guy, he, you know, he's like, 
or my parents like yeah we should know this guy you know we see him every day at mass but like hey we're having adoration you want to come back you know or like sign up for an hour and people are just like sure you know and so it doesn't always go that way but the fact of like it's just available and everyone can do it but i think it's yeah so beautiful rachel how you have this you know gift in entrepreneurship and adventure and so you're like let's bring that into the faith too right so like yeah just going out there like talking to the pastor or pastor father haft and just being like hey I want to help do this, you know, taking that on. I think that's the same with our faith. Like, what are our talents? The Lord wants to use all of our talents, right? And then Rachel's so good at building the business, too. She's, I know she's, they got like one extra day first, and then she's like, we need another day. You know, it's continually doing that. And uh, yeah, figuring out best practices, I know, is a big thing, too, right? Didn't, I think you met with Father Meyer and yeah. Right, yeah. Used Adoration Pro, right? So there's this great website, Adoration Pro, it texts everyone. Uh, before their hour or if anyone needs to fill in yeah but uh yeah yeah it's kind of if somebody needs a sub um they could just go on there and it will shoot out a message to like a whole list of subs um so that's been helpful but yeah and father yeah. meyer I, I listen to all of his talks on youtube i'm kind of, it's kind of creepy but i gotta i listen oh, to no, like he's uh, so good yeah <laughs> i listen to like all of his talks uh -huh. but i remember he was talking to one and he was like man like I've heard, I've heard so many communities being so proud of like you know their, um, you know financial like they're raising money for some fundraiser whatever it is, um, but he doesn't hear a lot of parishes bragging about how like oh they have two people in every slot of perpetual adoration every week and he says like that's what we need more um, and yeah. he's and he's so he's so proud of what he was able um, to do with his community over at All Saints Parish and he's just such a rock star. Um, and like getting involved and and uh, trying to make that happen at your parish is like super admirable. And I'm sure Father Meyer, who's a friend of the podcast, I'm sure he'd be, <laughs> he'd be super proud of you as well. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's been amazing. Um, when we like decided that we were going to start this, I think we started with what was it two days, maybe adding two extra days. And uh, there is like a small team, myself, um, one other girl, and you know my dad helps out a lot with it as well and the priest but um yeah we started we we're like okay next month on this day we're gonna like start two more days of adoration and we made like a thousand flyers and we were giving them out to parishes um all on that side of town because we wanted you know everyone to be able to come and participate in this and not just the parish although you know it is mostly we definitely want to see our parish there for sure but um yeah, it's definitely definitely feeling like super stressed out like the week before and the week of because I had like reached out to a million people and we like made all these flyers and we stood at like the back of church and we invited everyone and at different parishes and it just was like nobody was signing up. Like we had like a, a full day of like it was like okay, five people were signed up for like twelve hours, you know, like that's not gonna cut it. And uh it was like, Well, we don't wanna like cancel it but like there's just not enough people and um yeah my mom she like knew that I was like super stressed out and she was like just don't worry about it like you're doing your part God will do his part like there will be people that come and it's all gonna work out um and like yeah maybe some of us will have to make sacrifices or like a couple of the people might have to make you know sacrifices of staying a little bit longer but like don't even worry about it like God's calling you to do this you're doing what you can and the rest will work out and like yeah by the grace of God like you know the night before it was like every the spots were I think all full or like except for like one hour maybe was covered 
um, by like two people. So yeah, it's just like, That's yeah, okay. just God will provide. God will provide. Yeah. <laughs> Wisdom from mom. It's always. That's right. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that too. Yeah, got to put in the hard work, but in the end, the Lord will do it. Yeah. 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 Just sharing that. Wow. I recently, it, it kind of makes me think of the Ronald Reagan had a quote like, "Don't ask what you can, your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country." Mm-hmm. That kind of entrepreneurial spirit is kind of makes me think of like you starting an adoration chapel. Like, don't ask what the church can do for me. Ask what I can do for the church. Right. And like, I think that's an incredible like witness for you. And it doesn't seem like a lot, but those hours are gonna transform the the entire parish, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Eucharistic adoration mm-hmm. is an incredible thing. We're we're starting one uh, Monday. That's right. Yeah. Praise the Lord. All right. Pray for us. And come yeah. join. Yeah. Yeah. You guys gotta <laughs> <Yeah>. sign up. <laughs> that's right. that's true. All you listeners. <laughs> Awesome. Well, this has been incredible. I think, yeah, Father. Do you, if you have any question, more questions, uh, any any final word here uh, for Rachel? Man, yeah. something you want to leave with the college college student listeners? Yeah, just go for it. <laughs> Whatever uh, your your dreams are, or yeah, just um, don't be afraid. And if you don't feel like you have the confidence to do you know what whatever you're called to um just rely on that confidence from god you know and even if you don't have the confidence in yourself have the confidence in god that he'll bring you through it so that's something that's been like a motto for my life so yeah that's yeah. it i love that awesome. and if you don't know your way around the kitchen at all like me yeah check out the family chef you know <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> the family chef llc We're going to add to the wait list, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's great. Do you take uh, prayer hours instead of payments? (laughs) Yeah, where was our breakfast? (laughs) I could use some eggs benedict or something. Awesome. Father, could you close us out in prayer? Yeah, thank you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, Rachel's witness today. We thank you also for the patron of her company, the Holy Family. And we ask that they are continually with us today, especially the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph, to ever encourage us in our vocations, in our work, and to never be afraid to, to follow you, Lord, wherever that may be, to be bold and to know, Lord, that our tra- trust is in you, Lord Jesus. We commend all this to you, Lord through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sheepdogs out. Sheepdogs out.